Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, this is Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. It is sometime in January, the end of January. I have to say that uh, the credits, of course, the song you just heard from Mike Rickberg and Patrick Brady does the audio fixes and Vilmos is doing the website and everybody is on board. And I thank you for your donations of time and money. And a guy named Brian cleaned up my YouTube videos from some crazy stalker. So good for me. Uh, everybody's helping out in the dork forest, sitting in my living room here in Van Nuys. It's another one-on-one with another kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm dorking out again because Jeff Cesario, you're one of my favorite comics. That's awfully sweet to hear. That's, that's very nice to hear. I really, it's, uh, you I've, were a great influence back when I w- first moved to Minneapolis and. Oh, cool. Yeah. And where'd just, you, where'd you move from? Uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Are you from Madison? I'm from outside of Milwaukee. So I'm from Kenosha. You're from Kenosha. That's where, right. Where outside of Milwaukee are you from? South Milwaukee. We, we have a strip mining uh, factory. You had that old uh, the Chrysler. American Motors. When American I was Motors. growing up, it was, uh, yeah, American yeah, Motors. Yeah, and then that went away. You know, yeah, it, yeah. Early 70s. It's one of the luckiest cities, I think, in, in the world because I, I, I have a kid now, so I'm reading parenting magazines. Okay. And um, I'm... You know, can I, first of all, can we swear? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, fucking. Okay. Do as you okay. <laughs> so I'm I'm flipping through this parenting magazine, and mm-hmm. it says, "Hey, ten best places to raise your kids." Number seven, Kenosha. Number like, seven, Fuck Kenosha. You man, when I was growing up there, it was a shithole. I mean, it was right. a, American Motors, Anaconda, American Brass, McWhite Wire Rope, these giant. It was a factory, factory town. town. Yeah, yeah, it was a blue collar. I called it a. a uh, a blue collar sparring gym is, is, <laughs> is what it smelled like and what it was. It was, yeah. was kind of crazy. And and uh, the fish died in Lake Michigan. It was right on Lake Michigan. Right. All the alewives died, and they would just coat. Wait, we must be of an age because the the beaches were covered with alewives. With dead fish. This was the early seventies, right? Yeah, early seventies, late sixties, early. So we're right. starting about mid sixties through the early seventies. Right. It was, okay. Just a, a mess, and you could literally almost walk across Kenosha Harbor because there were so many dead fish, and so the whole place smelled horrific. The whole it was city for the next fish. mile, yeah, it was just rotting fish. Yeah, and I remember it cleaned up a lot when I was about twelve or thirteen, and I was allowed to sort of get the run of South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, because South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, also a factory town when I was growing up. It had, uh, still does, Bazaar's Erie, though I think right. John Deere bought it or something just recently. They make uh, strip mining equipment. Wow. And they also make reclamation equipment because you know what? You got to create your own market. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're like, they yeah. got you on both ends of that. Exactly. One of my brothers had a job uh, at, at a, um, there was another factory. Damn it, I can't remember the name of it. It, it wasn't Alan Bradley. It was a, it was a little factory factory. And he literally shoveled sand. Literally? He probably genuinely shoveled sand for a living. Uh, wow. When he was about 17 and thought about dropping out of high school. Oh, my God. Stay in school, kids. You'll be shoveling sand for <laughs> yeah, a living. In South lucky. Milwaukee. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, South Milwaukee. It's um, Whenever I go back, I, I give people the Norman Rockwell tour um, because anyone can give themselves the meth lab tour, right? Yeah, I mean, right. I, you can, yeah, most you people can, get lost and, and find the meth lab right. tour. Right. You're like, oh, yeah. this is the shitty part of town. You're like, right. yes, it is. <laughs> oh, well. This so, is where people go to get shot. Right. Yeah. 
So do you get to do stand-up in Wisconsin? Because I don't. I'm you know, like, I just, uh, uh, when was I there last? I, I can't, you know, I did my old high school. I did, in Kenosha, I did the old auditorium. Oh, did you? At my high school, yeah. Was it a benefit? A band booster? No, I finally did a, uh, it was almost a band booster benefit. <laughs> I've done band booster benefits. I'm doing though. one on Sunday. Oh, they're fantastic. Falls, I, I had such a great time. River Falls, great town. Beautiful yeah. town. Um, and, and partly as a result of how the city turned around, which is, all the factories closed, and it looked like it was just going to go the way of South Dakota, like just disappear. Right. And then Chicago had grown so much that it became the northernmost suburb of, of Chicago. Chicago. And there were right. tax breaks and the education, public education system go... was better in Wisconsin. So it's now it's, it's this thriving like bedroom community. Waukegan, Illinois, and then the next big town up is? is Kenosha. Kenosha. Yeah. And yeah. then it goes Racine. Right. And then Milwaukee. And then and South the Mo- Milwaukee. Uh, and Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. South Milwaukee, not, not really in the mix right there. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure. <laughs> it's, uh, you got to take that big bend right around Seven Mile Road, and boom, there you are. Ah, Seven Mile Road. <laughs> right. It's like a nostalgia moment here. Yes. Even, it's let's go to Burlington, where the coat factory started. <laughs> right, sure, Burlington, or the uh, the or go out to Union Grove. Sunday, 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 <laughs> Union Grove drag strip. That, oh, remember yeah. the drag strip? Out yeah, Union I do. Grove? My so. uh, my my one of my cousins, John Cation. He was he was our successful cousin. Owned uh, Hales Corners Racetrack. Oh, sure, Hales Corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stock car racing. Absolutely. He, he was also the guy that turned the giant garbage pile in Milwaukee into a ski hill. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We're, you know, because Wisconsin doesn't have any mountains or anything. It's hilly. No, you have to go up north, I think. Yeah, for a little more hills, but... Um, right, Lake Superior has, I think, the White Mountains or something. They got to, no, something. They got yeah, something yeah, but there. compared to real mountains... We're not, there's not a lot of mountains happening. Yeah, that's true. They're 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 uh, they're scale model so, mountains. But do you, did you do stand up in uh, at JD's at all? At, no. At that 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 east side of Milwaukee gig. That that that, uh, that uh, comedy the, cafe. Comedy cafe once. One time, and, and it went fantastic. Well. It went really well. And then I just never heard again. Right. And and and, and that was that. And then I just heard the, the, that some biker dude had bought it and was sort of taking it his own way. And I just went, all right. I did Summerfest. Okay. Like three times. Okay. Which was a blast because uh, it, did you ever do it? I did it once, but it's and ins- usually outdoor outdoor comedy oh, it's, blows. It's horrible. But, but Summerfest somehow makes it better. Well, plus you're from Wisconsin, so you so you probably know the way into those people. Right. Just right. a couple of drinking jokes off the top. Right. How stupid is South Milwaukee? <laughs> How and then you're into your regular act. And then you're into you know, your, and yeah, then yeah. If you just motor it yep. at about twice its normal pace, <laughs> you're fine. You know? right. right. I do. I do tend to speed up outside. You cannot you're like, give them a breath. Yeah, no. you can't. But but that was that's a great venue. That's where George Carlin, I believe, uh, had the, the seven words happen. Oh, really? Was, I believe at Summerfest. I don't think it was the comedy stage because I don't think it existed anymore. Right. Uh, yet. I don't think it had existed yet. Um, right, because for early years of Summerfest, if people haven't been to Summerfest, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. They and, got five or six stages and more than that. At, yeah. At, at, it's this whole and, thing and on weird, Lakefront in Milwaukee. They just they just turn it into a giant... Uh, and weird mashups. of like I believe I saw yeah, George Thorogood open up for the Go-Go's. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that was a weird. And then I think on that same stage, but a different day, Huey and the Lu- Huey News and the it was the original. Yeah, it was the original Jack FM. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they would do. Yeah, yeah. It would literally you would be on stage at the comedy stage, 
and Ario Speedwagon would be doing their sound check right. at, the, at the main. <laughs> it was just right. crazy. And then Weird Al Yankovic. I saw him on the yeah. main stage in uh, at Summerfest. And they would have uh, ethnic bands and stuff. It was just crazy. It yeah, was which just is crazy. weird because Milwaukee, one of the most segregated cities in the yeah. country for a long time. Yeah, and then they probably and, to this day. But they broke out. Uh, it, Festa Italia is its own thing now. Right, right. Yeah, and oh, I right. think they have a Polish festival. They have a Polish festival. It got festival. so big they, they got everything. Festival. They got an Armenian festival. They got a German fest. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It was hard not to have Cesario. <laughs> You're probably Italian yourself, right? Italian from Kenosha. My hometown was heavily Italian when I was growing up. Yeah, which is, it still is. Still is. Oh, you know, the Italians speaking of nerdy. Things What'd to know. I'm, I'm like a history freak. Are you? Um, Let's do that. But then. but dumb history that I don't that I shouldn't. Have, but but stuff that interests me. Like like why was Kenosha heavily Italian? You know, right. it's in Wisconsin. People can't fathom it when you tell them it. But it, the Italians were working the railroad when it came through Chicago. Okay. And so they were the labor. And then if at certain points on the route of the railroad. Uh, immigrants, whoever was working it, would decide they had enough money and would stop and just settle right. wherever they were. Right, right. So they settled there, and somebody went up to Kenosha, and you know, being Italians, they went, "Hey, this is nice. I think we can let's invite the rest of the family." Right, and that's because that's how immigrants travel. They right. travel in a group so that they can have you know someone to make pasta with. Right. So one. <laughs> so it was like twenty five percent Italian when I was growing up. God, I think the early nineteen hundreds. Early nineteen hundreds. Uh, uh, early, early to mid nineteen, early. T- what are the teens? What are, comes after the earlies? The uh, teens. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The earlies and the teens. The teens and then right up through about the early 20s, I think. The, okay, so World War One times. Yeah. And uh, and, the, and they were working, they were fixing the railroad up or? I mean, Building it wasn't it. like the old. It wasn't like, you know, it was. Yeah. Union Pacific time. It wasn't time. 1850, yeah, 1858. Yeah, it wasn't, no. Right, right. But they were working heavily on, yeah. Yeah. Working on the railroad, so. You know, I love, you know, my history, it's weird what people, what stories know. Like I have Milwaukee, there's. There's one story, and I got it from my brother, so who knows, you know, grain of salt, people. Uh, Russ Cation, econ professor. Not a history professor. I can eat on air, can I? Yeah, please eat. Okay, uh, craft services. What I like to tell people every time is that if you're allergic to nuts, these cashews were processed in a plant. Anyway, <laughs> ah, that's a good one, huh? Every time. I like it. Who doesn't want to hear that joke again? Feel free. Jackie at JackieCation.com. Email me. Tell me you don't. Having a heat. <clears throat> so I have. To, I'm getting over cold. But the uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah. There's a couple of things. Like it's heavily Irish and heavily German. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So in the early 1900s, like 1898 to 1904, I don't know when exactly it happened, but uh, the entire city council um, was made up of half Irish and half German and all wow. Civil War veterans. Wow. Right? So it's 40 years after the Civil War, 50 years after the Civil War. Uh-huh. Everybody's 100 years old. And um, uh-huh. and they're the pillars of this community. They're going to figure out which way to build Milwaukee up. Is it going to become a little Dublin or is mm-hmm. it going to become a little Munich? Right. And if you've ever been to Munich, you've been to Milwaukee on a larger oh, really? scale. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the Disneyland of Munich. Wow. Everything's at three-quarter inch scale. Right. Notre Dame, uh, the... The city right. hall. And the reason it's German was because the Irish, uh, the the city council Irish. Got pissed and walked out? <laughs> no, no. They went to a reunion of the Civil War troops. The boat sank. Oh, man. They all died. 1902, wow. 1900, something like that. So the enti- all that was left of the wow. city council was German. Whoa. Yeah, the Irish brigade went to Chicago and they took a boat down from Milwaukee. 
And it, it crashed probably outside Kenosha. Probably right outside Kenosha. <laughs> the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald happening again. And uh, oh, sure, and it's a tragic day for it's us. It's a tragic day for the the people wow, who wanted a little that tiny is, iron. It's a fun fact, right? It is. A, well, now, yeah, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> right? then it was a, just very a, kind tragic. Of a tra- tragic yeah, yeah, because fact, it, they yeah. had their families with them. Everybody. Wow. Everybody died. Yep. And the Germans had nothing to do with it? We're sure of this? We don't know. We, we don't, don't know. know. No, yeah, because know. they're a very pesky tribe. Well, they, they can be pesky, aren't they? <laughs> the it's, Germans. Uh, they're pescatarians, I think. They only eat fish. <laughs> I really like Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, being a fellow uh, Wisconsinite. Uh, underrated city. Sort of flies under the radar. Love Madison. Oh, Madison. Very nice. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Madison. Go, I, actually, I went to, uh, well, this will tie right in. I went to Northwestern my freshman year. I was on a music scholarship. Oh, were you? What'd you I play? I played drums and percussion. Oh. And it was all classical music, and it was driving me insane. Plus, I was just this sheltered little doofus Catholic kid from Kenosha who... Went to Northwestern. Should have Parents been. didn't, you know, let him go out for football because he might get hurt. So, you know... Right. So, like, even though I was in the public schools in Kenosha, I was... You know, I, I didn't have a lot of street experience. Right, because you were playing, you were in band. You yeah, I was like, in band and orchestra all through high school. Although, I'll say this. Can you play the marimbas? I, I can, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not not fantastically, but right. uh, yeah, I remember my way around a marimba. There you go. Because I had the old... say my, the, the rosewood? Yeah, I remember my way the around rosewood? the rosewood. Yeah. Nice. I, I have two friends left from, from high school before Facebook, and they were both percussion guys. And for wow. when they were juniors in, in high school, each of their parents gave them for Christmas a marimba. Wow. Yeah. So they would do dueling marimba yeah. solos uh, at the... Uh, for concert band. Sure, sure, for variety shows, huge, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, huge band dork. Uh, oh, yeah, as was I, except we didn't know we were dorks. You thought you were cool? Well, yeah, because in, 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 you were in Kenosha. In Kenosha, <laughs> we had a great uh, public school music program. Right. And this is, this is for real. Yeah. That uh, sent a ton of kids to college as music majors. And uh, I don't know about it anymore, but for a while, the principal oboist of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra was from Kenosha. Uh, the Currently, the head of the Berkeley School of Music in Boston is from Kenosha. Really? Uh, the two of the best studio trumpet players out here are from Kenosha. Uh, the head of the jazz uh, percussion department at Indiana, which is one of the greatest music schools on the planet, is from Kenosha, was my buddy. I mean, we played stuff. We played shit there in high school. There used to be music programs in <clears throat> high school. Yeah, and I mean this, yeah. And, and I mean, the guy who ran this was my, my friend, the, my buddy at Indiana, Steve Houghton. His dad, who recently passed away, um, just sort of started this on his own, got it going, and he was speaking of the, he was like one of those classic Irish guys who just got shit done somehow, yeah. you know. And he, he, <laughs> was he, a great, know a guy? he was a good glad hander and, yep. a, and a good administrator and a good enough musician to get this thing going and start leading the band himself in the 50s. And then he started to get really good uh, music directors, band directors, and right. orchestra directors, and choral directors from around the country. And, uh, and, a, like in my high school marching band, in the marching band was the, uh, this, this start, two starting linebackers from the football team, the starting defensive back, starting fullback. We had like 10 guys from the football team in the band who would rather have been in the band because our football team sucked. Right. So, <clears throat> so. So the band was cool. The band was kind of cool and it took me till I got to college. First of all, we started to play literature in, in, in my freshman year in college that I'd already played. Oh, uh, wow. You know, and I was like, 
holy shit, I didn't know I, I, at all how good an education I right. got. And you know, you're in and band. Public, yeah, you know, and it's you're in high school, school in band and you have no idea. So you're just fucking off. Right. You know, you're just, especially drummers, we're just in the back throwing shit Sticks at Sticks at people. each other. Yeah, and and just, just complete animals. <laughs> and, yeah, the, yeah, the, I believe you were called the dumbers. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and, uh, but my buddy wound up being just a first rate drummer who wound up, uh, playing in in the Woody Horman Orchestra. Then he played with uh, a bunch of big bands out here. He played with Freddie Hubbard for a long time. He's a great jazz trumpet player, recently passed away, and uh, worked uh, as one of the top call studio guys here in L.A., Steve Houghton. And then he just decided he wanted to teach, so he moved to Indiana. He got a good gig at Indiana. He's teaching at University of Indiana. Right. But those, like, you know, that level of musician was coming out of Kenosha, and you were like, holy Holy, and wow. was it all concert band stuff and orchestra or and jazz it, band? We had jazz band, you had jazz band, yeah, and then we had variety show and stuff like that. And we had a and that's where I started to do comedy was our variety show with Steve. Okay, um, with my buddy Steve, who was uh, he was we went to he went to um, he was a year younger than me, so I spent my freshman year at Northwestern. Right, they did, and it was before Northwestern, if you know the campus at all now. It's all built up, and they built out on the lake, and they put a landfill in, and they built all oh, these wow. brand new, beautiful buildings. Like six years after I split, okay. so when I was there, it was just this small little school right in Evanston, and uh, and I just couldn't take it, and it was very fraternity sorority oriented, and, right. and I just didn't, I, I, that wasn't my thing. So, so uh, <clears throat> I transferred to Wisconsin, okay, knowing I'd probably get out of music anyway, because you know, music's one, of, still one of those things where it's if. Yeah, you got a degree. Wonderful. Uh, put your horn together and play. Right. You know, let's hear you. You know, so I just thought, ah, oh, the hell with it. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and Steve went up to Wisconsin for a couple of years. And so, and before he transferred to North Texas State, which is a huge jazz school. So, uh, uh, so I, I, I went to Wisconsin with Steve. But in high school, he was my comedy partner for the variety show. Okay. Uh, we did, um, uh, Who's on First? Oh, right. When the I was a junior and he was still. a sophomore and it killed. Oh, and yeah. Ralph, his dad, who had developed this entire thing out of out of nothing, right? This big, uh, nationally known uh, public school music program in this city. He was the kind of guy because he was like a he was like a you know a schmoozer a mover yep. you know. Yeah, yeah. So he had a uh, he had a file full of old comedy bits that he would just use for benefits or anything he needed to do around town to try to raise money. So he hands us you know it's literally like. Blows the dust off. It goes. Do this. It, it, it'll kill. So we do it. It works. The next year we do three different sketches. Right. Just Steve and me. One that we wrote. Oh, good. And they all killed. And I said, and I was bitten at that point. I think I knew at that point I was going to wind up in comedy, not in music. So yeah, that's that's uh that's so great because, you know, music music, it is it is a travesty that there are, the music programs in in public schools are gone. Yeah, and it's it's just. It, it's I remember sad. in grade school we would go. There was a singing. There, there was a, a one day. It was. I feel like it might have been once a day, but I feel like it's probably once a week. And uh, <laughs> we would traipse down to the music room, and uh, the music teacher, who was just who knows who she was. I can't even remember, but I right. remember she was dressed in like like a dragonfly. She was wearing like a lot of gauze and nine different colors and she would flow and she reeked <laughs> right, of right. patchouli or oh some other God, incense. Oh that's fantastic. And she would play like Puff the Magic Dragon and we would sing and sob because we were eight. Oh, and wow. we were like, don't grow up, Jackie Paper. Don't do it. Oh, that's and, so great. But it was it was fun. You know, there yeah. was a day, a, a day in class where you got to sing. Yeah, good teachers can make it fun. And, and, you know, like I say, when I was growing up, it was, it was a blue collar town and I wound up instructing 
and we had a strong summer band program. We'd go around the Midwest in March and these yeah, competitions. Yeah, that's what we did too. And yeah. yeah. And, um, we had a great time. I would do the arranging and the drum and the drum charts. That's great. And so I had all these, you know, all, all these, uh, you know, uh, potato heads in, in the drum line who were just kids of, of parents who were working at American Motors. So right. we lit, I mean, I look back at the way we taught that drum line and we were like a world class drum. We won awards and stuff like that. And, yeah. But we would just sit there. Me and the other instructor would just sit there and throw gravel at these kids. Just, Boom! Do it again. That sucked. And they'd sit there with their little snare drum, you know, and do it. And you sucked. You weren't in unison with a fuck. Shut up! And we'd swear at them and throw shit at them. And they got and they wouldn't. It wouldn't even phase them. We right. would be put in jail today for teaching that way. Oh We'd right, be right. Put in jail. There's but no way. You were like 16 or 17 too, right? I was like 19. Oh, oh, okay. So it was. Oh, you'd come I'd back. Just got to come back to from do, col- from make some money during the summer and yeah, instruct yeah. the summer band and and. We would just beat them and whip up. Not beat them, but I mean, you know, we would but, no, no, when, hit when, them with a stick. And then we'd get them hitting each other like, all right, you got it, but the rest of them suck. I'm going to go have a smoke. You make sure when I come back, they have it down. <laughs> it was just crazy shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. We our, had such our band a, instructor made us and march killed. and march and yeah. march and march. And there's no way. I mean, kids would whine and piss and moan. But we, you know, it was like some sort of weird badge of honor. That we would be abused and that we would be good at the end of it. You yeah, know? yeah. And you and really live through something. It's it's a it's a bonding experience. Yes. The marching band. That's why I went to Madison. I wanted to be in the marching band. Oh wow! Yeah. Did you get Mike in? Mike Lacrone. Uh, it's a terrible, terrible story of of me auditioning and then on the last day I was supposed to go for one more day of auditioning, and my brother was like, "You can't be in the band." I got you a job on at the football games selling T-shirts. Oh He's man! He's like, "You want to make money? You want to lose money?" And I was like. How was that losing money? He said, by not making money. Wow. And I was like, oh, damn it. And he's like, you don't want to be in the marching band. And I was like, you were the one who made me be in the marching band in high school. You know? I mean, I spent, I'm the youngest of six. So, I mean, I am. Mostly brothers or? Four brothers and a sister. And my my sister and my next oldest brother um, spent their entire childhoods bossing me around, making sure I didn't end up on the street, you know? (laughs) They were just like, you're going to go to, you're going to be in debate, you're going to be in student council. The streets of South Milwaukee. Exactly. You're going to be walking it, walking it. And uh, Yeah, my brother's really, you know, those small towns, he wanted, I I believe my brother Phil, he's my second oldest brother, he always said that his dream when he was a kid is he wanted to be a drug dealer of renown, <laughs> of local renown. Yeah, you don't want to just be a penny anti drug dealer. No, no, you want to be a local hero. You want to be. You want to be the guy who had the Ford Torino, <laughs> jacked up back in, and the lime green paint on the hood. That's. It. He said uh, he almost joined the army so that he would have a, a connection in in Bangkok for hash. That's probably not a bad. Yeah, not a that, bad call. That, that was his gig. That? It was in '75 too, because he's like the war's winding down. Yeah. Maybe they'll put me over there, and I'll I'll, I'll get to meet somebody. I'll never forget. I was <clears throat> I was uh, dating a girl in high school, whose older sister was dating a guy who got drafted. Okay. And I'm old enough where <clears throat> my year was one of the last years, second to the last year of the actual draft. Wow. At Northwestern. I was a freshman at Northwestern. If they called your number, there was no student deferment. You were just going. Oh, really? The first 125 numbers they called. Ah. So, and I was, because I was on financial aid and scholarship, mm-hmm. I was in a dorm at Northwestern, uh, McCullough Hall, that was, uh, my floor was all black guys. It was like three white guys, a saxophonist, a violinist, and me. <laughs> no, we're all on music scholarships. Okay. And then just all these black guys who were on the first year of this federal program 
of matching funds. If Northwestern gave a, a half scholarship, the government would give a half scholarship okay. to get inner city kids to, to better universities. Right. So <clears throat> that's how I got hooked on funk music. When I drove up, that was all you were hearing. Right, right. Your, your, your I, trucky truck was rocking. I literally opened the door to the third floor of McCullough Hall and it's already blacklit. This is the second year of a second day of of a, it being able to come on campus. Right. And I just hear Tower of Power sparkling diamonds in the sand blasting from some room, way down the hall. And there's already smoke in the halls. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, what is that? I was just this innocent little kid. And um, and uh, so I so I was I was on this uh, floor with 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 all of those guys. Oh and my god. Everybody's 18, 19 years old, right? Yeah. And and so that spring, I believe, was the draft. Right now, by the spring, I'd sort of bonded with those guys because it was either join a frat, right. or, or or hang with the guys. And I, you know, I didn't. Yeah, the frats don't want an Italian guy as much as they don't want a black guy. So right. you know, <laughs> right, right. And Wisconsin, I swear to God, Wisconsin does most of Wisconsin does not lend itself to joining a frat. No, a right, right. It does yeah. not breed frat people. And blue collar certainly doesn't. You're no, just like I don't want to. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I want to watch Animal House and pretend that right. I'm the, in, the, so, in the bad frat. Yeah, we would literally go to rushes, and they couldn't stop the black guys at the door because it would be discriminatory. Right. This was seventy one, seventy two. This was the height of of some really heavy shit. Right. And uh, Planet so of they the Apes would, so, just came out. We're gonna we're we're gonna fight the good fight. And they would use me as the front guy. I would go in in a big overcoat, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, then the black guys would come in after me at, at the at the frat on rush week, mm-hmm. and they would just be free beer and pilfer food. the fucking place blind, <laughs> and it would just keep throwing booze in my coat, and then we'd go back to the to the dorm and drink, um, and so, so it was it was come spring, you would literally hear, um, uh, we turned on the radio, you'd hear the radio all through the dorm. And you just heard uh, the draft. They would broadcast the draft on the radio, and really, yes. And you would you would literally Wait, hear. You had, you had to tune in like like snow you had to tune closings, in. like school closings. Or yeah, you would tune in. It was and from wait for Washington, your number. and they would go uh, number one, uh, October thirteenth, and then nothing. And then like literally, and I remember this distinctly. Number number five, it's like December 9th. and just from down the hall, I just heard mother. Fuck shit! Just like that, and and that should, kid was gone. He was there was no there was no student. They deferment. had wiped out the student deferments by the early seventies because they too needed many, bodies, and oh. and it was and 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 too much had been made of favoritism, and especially and, white and families being able to get their kids to, right. Yeah. So you just went, and I just got lucky. I still remember March thirtieth was uh, number three thirteen. Right. And I didn't have to go because they only pulled the first one hundred twenty five numbers. Wow. And my girlfriend's sister's boyfriend got drafted. Okay. He was two years older than me. He went. He came back. He re-upped because he said, I can't do anything else right now. Right. He was. He had the best pot I ever smoked in my life. <laughs> he, he'd been in Nam. And he kept it tucked away in the, in the crawl space up in, in the attic of, of his house. Did he and bring I, it back from Vietnam? Yeah. And I would go over and just smoke this incredible weed with him. And he, we would get high, and he turned me on to all this crazy music that I never heard before, you know. Or he was the guy who like said, hey, "You got to listen to Santana High," you know, and that kind of stuff. And so, and then I'll never forget because I was, you know, and he said, "Whatever you do, do not go over to Vietnam." He said, "I had to. 
He said, "Don't go. I don't give a shit. If you go to Canada, I'll help you. Right? Do not." And he this is he was a big like football player guy, like a big dude. Right? He said, "Don't go. It ain't worth it." He said, "Do not go. I'm broken. It's not building character. Yeah, I'm right. over. I did two years, and I just said, "Fuck it. I'm going back for another two because I can make some money and try to get something together." But it's a hellhole. Don't go. Make so, some money. Like, what the hell is he going to make some money? Well, probably I mean, some yeah. sort of graft, obviously. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Oh my God! That's why Apocalypse Now is probably not that not that far from the truth. Right, right, and wow. Yeah, so so that was that was uh, our childhood in Wisconsin. Exactly. <laughs> I know my brothers were were probably you know they're a little older than I am, and none. I, I have four brothers. Only Terry would have been eligible, I think, for the draft, and he had a he had a bone disorder in his hip, and so he had a limp, and one leg was shorter, so he wasn't eligible. Wow. And then. Yeah, my brother Phil, he had a bad ear. He's deaf in one ear. And then my brother Scott has epilepsy. Man, you guys did cuff each other around. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of hitting. (laughs) You came out of the Cashin family with with just a limp. You were lucky. Cashin, sorry. You can ethnic it up if you want. (laughs) uh, What is it? Is it? Armenian. Armenian. There yeah. You go. Okay. And uh, yeah, there's Armenians in South Wallace. There's an Armenian church, all but dead there's now. A, there's a people with its own set of problems. Oh sure, sure. We'll build in character. Uh, you will never find me to be an apologist for the Armenian state. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm Armenia not gonna... geographically. Is I'm that the one tucked s- in by Yugoslavia? Uh no. That's it's Albania. Right ab- yeah, yeah. Armenia uh, is, like is right near above Turkey. Turkey. Right above Turkey. And right, right next to Azerbaijan, and they're uh. fighting about five miles. Uh, five miles of land. Yeah, and you uh, call it a day, people. Yeah, Why don't really. You just call it a day. And it's not like I'm going to really? move back and become a shepherd. You know, it's yeah. not going to happen. Uh, my father has said some of the most obnoxious things about the Turks, and how he's like, "Well, you know, what were we going to do? Stay? I'm not going to stay there. You yeah. know, and and you know, you think about it. My dad goes, you know, you think about it. Your your grandma lived, and I was like, Dad, she walked for three months across Lebanon. This isn't, I mean, she didn't just do it for you. <laughs> right, and right, right. He's like, well, she lived. That's what I'm saying. That's an, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was what you could come out with. That was, that's so interesting. Southeastern Wisconsin is such a wild. Like it's a, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a, a melting pot. It's a pot. wildflower uh, mm-hmm. valley of ethnicity. I mean, you know, cause you mentioned the, uh, the Armenians there. Uh, there's Turks there. Mm-hmm. There are Serbs and Croats. All through Milwaukee, yeah, like it's the largest Serb population, like outside of fucking Serbia or something. It's crazy because really? I got a cab driver once, who uh, I'm getting a cab from the airport into downtown Milwaukee. I'm doing some corporate date or something, and right? And he's listening to something, and I can hear it's his foreign language thing. And he's on the phone or whatever, and and um, he literally gets pissed at somebody he passes. Look, he always does this whole thing. I yeah, go, what's, what's going on? He goes. That's a croat. Fuck him. You know, and he goes into this whole thing oh. about the Serbs and Croats, and it's carried over into Milwaukee. They yeah. they just... Yeah, let's hold on to it. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Right, yeah. Uh, you know what? Whenever I meet somebody Turkish, it's awkward. It's awkward for a minute. Is it really? Yeah, it genuinely is. Because essentially, they wiped out Armenia. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they killed like over a million Armenians in, in Turkey, you know? In, right. And they... They never admitted it. I mean, that's the big thing. Is like you can, you, you to some extent, you can move on with the Germans because they admitted it, right? Right, right. And with the Armenians, with some help, but yeah, they admitted it. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, they were forced to admit it, but the Turks have never been forced to admit it. But here's what I'd love right, to tell right. the Turkish government: next time you do a genocide, take less pictures. 
Oh, did they? Yeah, uh, they documented. Oh, that? yeah, they wow. documented a lot of it, and they're just like, wow. no, 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 that's just the relocation. That wasn't genocide. And you're like, really? What? What? What was the result of the relocation? Wow. What? What compels people to document their insanity? It's it, it's like Nixon. You go. What, that's what, what, what the door what, what the fuck were you thinking? Yes. Let's record. <laughs> let's, yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's let's get this all down. Yeah. Let's 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 uh let's write it down because someone's gonna want to read it when I'm gone. Even nutballs, you know. They, yeah. They always break into their apartment and just wall to wall headlines. Yeah. Of, yeah. Oh right, right. Because they they've written everything, you know, no. in tiny letters. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sometimes yeah. it's handwritten, but they do record it. For so, like Jeffrey Dahmer. Wow. He kept parts. My brother Scott got to meet him one time. Before. Wow! Yeah, yeah, you lived in the same. That sounds like you guys, um, like you guys did um, rock paper scissors at the Cation Fan. <laughs> Who gets to? There's only one of us can go see Dahmer. All right, let's throw. Yeah, let's make Scott do it. He's a little <laughs> weird, and uh, yeah, and my brother Phil was in the Moonies. We had to kidnap and deprogram him. Did you in really? Seventy six. Yeah. I'm guessing the Cations didn't have to hire anybody to deprogram. You guys just went. We did. We did hire him, but my dad was like, I'm going to be there for the deprogramming. I'm going to. I want We're to taking my home. van. It's a, <laughs> no, no, my cousin Morad Jengosian. Uh, Morad, we called him Moose. Uh, we actually called him Uncle Moron. And, uh, and, and Morad's kids used to call my dad Uncle Idiot because his name's Elliot. We're not. Wow. There's a lot of love in the family. Yeah, well, love. that's the way you showed love back then. It's beautiful. It's a lot of... We make fun of you, hoping you'll change. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a very in-your-face passive aggressiveness. It's a... Uh, right. Well, that's what I thought, like about Wisconsin, is that everybody's polite until you're not polite, and then we're very much in your face. It's more the New York of the Midwest. I yeah, think. it's sort of interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's true. In in Minneapolis, it's very passive-aggressive in the fact that... The entire time. The, mo- the angrier you get, or the meaner someone is to you, the more you grin, and uh, the politer you get. Yeah. Yeah, and then an ulcer is born. It's beautiful, right? Or, or it just comes out in those little, those little. I remember shopping, and uh, there was just some classic Minnesota woman who, you know, and, and I kind of know what I'm looking for for my wife. I know her <laughs> sizes. I know her colors. Oh, I, I thought care. you meant in a wife. <laughs> kind of. No, I, for, if I I'm shopping for clothes. Yeah, right. I, yeah. Fortunately, I, I actually didn't know what the hell I was looking for, and I got lucky. Good um, on you. Good on you. So. So, and she gave me one of these after, you know, I'm shopping for like 12 seconds. And she goes, you need some help. Just like that, you know, and you just want to go, ah, could I just strap you to the end of a fucking horse and take you through town? (laughs) Really, you need your face roughed up a little bit. Yes, it's a, yeah, only if you want to help me by strapping yourself in here and handing me a fork so I can stick it in your throat. Right, right, exactly. Because I, and and this sounds out there, dorkland, uh, let it be known that it sounds violent. But you really have to meet some serious passive aggressive before you realize right. the, the series of road rage. My favorite story in Minneapolis was a uh, a road rage story where um, a guy chased an old woman, ran her off the road, and it turns out he was a doctor. He was a ner- uh, a heart surgeon from like Edina or something like that, and he pulls this old woman out of the uh, car, punches her in the face. She's seventy two. Wow, seventy-two-year-old woman. He had obviously taken a different Hippocratic oath. Yeah, and uh, but get this, my favorite part: he bolted, he ran. But first, he was first do no harm from the neck down. From the I'm going to punch you in the noggin, <laughs> and then. But my favorite part the was that, then he bolted. 
He ran. He went to France. But get this. He had this. He France- went to oh, like 50th in France or he went to the country <laughs> France? <laughs> he, he went to France, France, like Paris. Wow. It was like wow. 10, 10, 11 years ago. And he, um, my favorite thing is that he had the fanciest car in the world. And in New York or Los Angeles, a bigger city besides Minneapolis, he might have gotten away with it. But the old woman described his car. And the guy was like, oh, that's Jim. He lives out in Ham Lake. You know, I mean, it's just like, it was right. just like, a, oh, he's, that's a Ferrari. There's only about nine of them. Yeah. And they just found the guy. Wow. And, yeah. And, but, so there's. They brought him back to Minnesota and they gave him a stern scolding <laughs> to. There was a talking to. <laughs> and uh, then he was, he had to force to do community service. And. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's, I love Minnesota. I mean, I live there. Six, seven years. I like that whole stretch of the country, you know, with the exception of Kenosha. I I mean, I like Kenosha now. It's great. And I still have some friends there. Really? It's just that when you grow up there, yeah. I mean, like you probably wouldn't move back to South Milwaukee. No, no. It's just too many weird memories. Yeah. It would be, you know, when I go, like I brought my husband back there and uh, and I gave him the walking tour. Wow. Because I was like, we're going to walk. It's only about three or four miles. It's fine. I mean, the oh, South Milwaukee yeah. isn't that big. You walk to the lake. You walk down to the, uh, right. the housing projects where the, the old Little factory, Park the, is. the abandoned factory. Right, the factory, which uh, <laughs> you show them the abandoned Over factory. where the uh, r- railroad tracks used to be. You put the it's railroad. It's not just a bump in the road. Right, the railroad right. tracks, which uh, are right next to it. Like every, every in, in, in Milwaukee, in, in most of Wisconsin, every intersection has three bars. And yeah, absolutely. A li- and a liquor store. Yeah. I remember my brothers used to walk the the tracks and pick up, you know, they'd haul taconite. This is like yeah. back when I was raised in the 30s, it turns <laughs> yeah, out. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and they'd build, like, slingshots and use taconite balls sure. to uh, to right, knock right. the tops off the tulips. Be hauling those down from the Iron Range. Oh, cripes, it's nice up there. Oh, it's And it's a straight get shot, too. Get a long summer every three years. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's... uh. It's a, it was a very it was a bucolic. I remember time. walking railroad tracks, you walk just looking tracks. for whatever you know, yeah, whatever you would time. find. Yeah, that's it the turns out there know. was hours in the day when your parents did not want to see you in the yeah, summer. Yeah, that was, yeah, yes, and uh, and there was something to be said for that. I mean, I hate to sound like old uh, old Codgerville, old dork forest. Well, it's coming out now in all these magazines and all these uh, well, that studies. Tiger thing? Not that you're we're overprotecting our kids. Yeah, there's yeah. a great science fiction series written by Cage Baker. I might have mentioned her before because she's one of my favorite authors. It's called the Company Series, and it's got two things that I usually hate in a science fiction series, which is immortality and time travel. Uh-huh. Uh, I hate them usually because why do be- you hate why do you hate time? Because time travel because uh, it's usually written by someone who has no knowledge of history, mm. and so they sort of make it up. Right. And Cage wow. Baker did a lot of research. It turns out, and so it is well written. It starts in the 1600s, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it's it's about a corporation in like the 2300s that invents time travel and immortality and decides to loot the past. Right. And what you can do, you can't bring stuff forward in time, but you can bury it and um, find it. Parent, you know, quotes find it somewhere that you've buried it safely, well. that you know will still be. You can then own that land in 2300. Mm-hmm. You own the land, and all of a sudden you find, it turns out, a Stradivarius that you didn't know was really there. Uh, gotcha. and And missed out on the bombings of uh, Dresden, you know? Oh, sure. And because you have all of history, you have all the knowledge of, of history. Mm-hmm. So, but her no- her opinion of the future was not uh, necessarily a positive one. She passed uh-huh. away this last year. 52. Oh, uh, had a tumor in her brain. Oh, yeah, brutal because she was just starting to hit her stride, quite honestly. And um, 
but she predicted a world where everybody, all, all adults have sippy cups. <laughs> and uh, and so water bottles, you know. Right, and, right, yeah, right. Yeah. The adult sippy cup and, and, uh, and the rights of animals. Uh, take take an ugly turn, right around twenty one fifty when uh, when feral dogs and chickens are both given their civil rights, and feral dogs use them better, and now there are no more chickens. Wow, <laughs> I that is one of my favorite words, feral. Feral, it's a good word. Yeah, it really for a word with no. I had to get more nutrition right, for right. a word with um, no real hard consonants in it. Yeah. It really embodies what it means. Yeah, you really hear it. Things that are feral. Yeah. You know, even if you don't know what it means, you're like, that can't be good. What's yeah. happening over there yeah. with that feral dude? It has enough <laughs> of ferret and enough of growl in it somehow, feral, that you immediately understand, okay, this is an animal I should stay away from. Right. So you've been doing stand-up for a long time, but you mostly, I mean, for, for years, you and, and you still do, you do a lot of writing. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of paid writing, right? And, right. Uh, That's a, less paid writing lately. Well, you <laughs> or know, less paid, uh, less paid on the writing. Still writing, so, still writing. More writing, less paid. <laughs> yeah, is it is it what I always imagined it would be the writing room, which is I picture fourteen guys sitting in a tiny room telling uh, fisting jokes until someone says something funny. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So sum it up. Yeah, I don't want to well, do that for a living. You wow. have um, you have clearly time traveled. <laughs> I have clearly in, in an accurate. In a healthy manner. Yeah, I don't want any part of it. Uh, I understand that there's a sweaty bag of fistful of money at the end of every day, though. There which... usually is that. Yeah, and that's a hard one. I, I, I it's was, hard to give that up. I was kind of fortunate in that my first writing experience really was the Dennis Miller Live show for HBO. Oh, really? And I just knew Dennis from stand-up. We, yep. had, we had gotten to town about the same time in the mid-'80s, and this is before anything had happened to him, and I remember... <laughs> We, a lot of we, things have happened to him. Yeah, we bonded at uh, there was a club in the valley. Um, Doctor um, Ugly Wugglies. Um, I can't remember. No, the name that's barbecue joint. Okay, it was way out in in Encino, and I can't remember why. I can't remember the name of it. But we were set. We had an eleven twenty and an eleven thirty. We reached doing ten minutes. Oh, okay. And uh, and uh, we had just met, and we so we were palling around a little bit, and. This was the night we, we bonded because Skip Stevenson came into the room at 11.18. Was he on Real Life? He was on Real People. Real called. People. So Skip walks in, and this was his club. Uh, L.A. Cabaret, that's what it was called. Okay. And uh, it was his home club. So he came in and literally just blew by everybody with a, hey, how you doing? And right to the front of the line and proceeded to go on stage and do oh, an hour everybody. and ten minutes. So Dennis and I... Uh, I'm so glad it's been happening forever. Yeah, go on at 1 instead of 11.20 when there's still people there. Mm. And, uh, of course, Skip was, you know, hiring a kite or whatever. And, I mean, he, he was actually a really nice guy, but he was just flying on coke. And he went on stage and he just rips through an hour and 10 minutes. I'm sure he thought he did 12 minutes. Right. <laughs> and he just burns through an hour and 10 minutes. And Dennis is killing me in the back of the room, Cat, uh, you know, Snarky. whispering stuff. Yeah, yeah. Snarky stuff. Awesome. That's and my here's favorite. Where That's I, my comic sit in the back. Here's room. where I love, grew to love Dennis Miller. Right that moment is when Skip came off and they put Dennis on. The room clears. There's four people left. Dennis goes on and says everything he said to me on stage. Oh, really? He just said, hey, this is who I am. I'm not going to back, back. You know, I don't, I don't, right, I don't right. want, you know, 
This is how I feel about the, you know, why I just keep saying real people gets you an hour and a half in the valley for Christ. <laughs> it just went off. Right. And it, and I was howling and I said, wow, the balls on this guy. Mm-hmm. And so we bonded. So, so when his show came around in mid nineties, um, he asked me if I wanted to, I was just doing stand up at the time and some other production. I had just started writing, but nothing that I was putting out in the public eye. Right. And he said to, you know, he had had a, uh, um, Syndicated talk show that had had been canceled after seven or eight months, and uh, HBO had given him six shows, six half hours. They just they loved the ranting part of it. They just wanted him to rant. Right. And so he said, "You want to help me put this together?" And I said, "Yeah." And I got a essentially an executive producer credit, and uh, and I'd never done anything behind the camera before, so I'm sure now, twenty, you know, fifteen years, twenty, well, what is it? Yeah, seventeen years later. Right. I know from the experience I have, there had to be some incredible meetings between Brad Gray, Dennis Miller, and the HBO people going, could we bring in somebody who has a track record for Christ <laughs> fuck's sake? Right. And Dennis going, no, it's a kid I like and I'm from, St-, you know, mm-hmm. and Brad just going, hey, if Dennis wants him, let's hang. And fortunately, I did enough right yeah. behind the camera and we hit pretty hard our first, our, this, our second episode out got nominated for an Emmy and won a, a writing Emmy. So, okay. Fortunately for me, right? We I justified their faith in me, Dennis and Brad's, pretty quickly, and um, and but I, I I can't imagine the meetings Brad Gray must have had, where they're going. There's a <laughs> we have ten guys working for H, other HBO projects. Well, just let them walk in and see if it's done right, you know? Right. And they just said no. They said let Jeff do it. So for that, I'm I'm forever grateful. Forever grateful. We were lucky in that sense that HBO is and still is one of the places that is. Far more hands off than any other network on the planet. So they'll let you, they let us go. They, we had structured the show and fortunately Dennis had enough juice from, um, Saturday Night Live. Right. And, and enough recognition in terms of what he knew he wanted to do. He knew he wanted to do a monologue. Yeah. And some funny pictures mm-hmm. and a rant. And so really the biggest thing I brought to that part of the process was what, let's just get one topic. Right. And focus on the one topic. Even if we wind up straying, and you know comics are going to in a monologue. Yeah, you weed off. But, you know, nail the one topic so that way in the TV guide it can say, tonight Dennis Miller race. Talks about right. Boom. And we're that. Yeah. yeah. So so it was a blast. I really I really had really had a lot of fun working on that show. Yeah. it's Well, you know, you're a great comic, obviously. But, I mean, Thanks. it's... it's, it's I, I think I'm finally hitting my stride now. I'm talking more about myself. I'm feeling... Mm-hmm. I got to a point in, in um is there are there albums? Do you have any albums? No. I have a DVD that I did in uh 3 4 years ago called You Can You Can Get a Hooker Tomorrow Night. Uh and <laughs> Excellent. That, that and that's I, so I'm true. sure that's on amazon.com somewhere. Okay. Um cuz people you guys you got to see this. It's great. Oh, thanks. And 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 that that you know I I was by the mid 90s I was Went from Dennis Miller and then to uh, Larry Sanders show, and then I started doing some movie writing and punch up and stuff like that. And so I didn't do a lot of stand up for most of the 90s. Um, and then in 2000, I kind of got back into it, 2000, 2001, because uh, I wanted to. And, yeah. And, and the economy and, you know, our business had taken such a nasty turn in the early 2000s that I wanted another economic uh, option, some more revenue flow. But, you know, I had been forgotten. In seven years, I've been forgotten by all the clubs, all the right. bookers, all everybody. I had to book myself. I had to go to rooms, hear myself, and reintroduce and myself and, just yeah. to try to get a little stage time, you mm-hmm. know. And 
And you know, I mean, I'd had I had a couple of Showtime specials and an HBO special in the mid '90s. So, but it was still like it didn't matter. It just didn't fucking it does, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Did you take it pretty well? Did you, uh, did you just well? I took get it well it enough and... to to go. Well, I'm not quitting. Right. You know, because I really want to do this again. And there were so many good, good. I don't even want to say young comics. Just but, new faces for me. Yeah. You know, and and so I went to the Laugh Factory, I went to Largo, places like that, and really tried to work on stuff. And as uncomfortable as I was, and I could really feel, okay, I just, at some point I said, you know, I, I want to get back to even some of the stuff I did way back when I first started in Minneapolis, which was, you know, a little more character voices, not impressions or anything, but just a little looser on stage. And, right. And I said, I got to make this more about me, as painful as it might be. So now <laughs> I'm doing a thing called Brave New Dad, which is about me. Um I have a two-year-old daughter, so my wife and I have a two-year-old daughter who's a fucking pistol. She's great. Yep. And so just being my age and having a two-year-old is, is pretty crazy, so. Yeah, yeah. Can you lift her? Uh, no, just kidding. Yeah, uh, no, so no. Is Brave New Dad a, uh, like a solo show? You're not show? that far from the truth. What's that? Is it a solo show? Well, it's, you know, I, I don't want to no, call no. it a one-man show because it's really. Still th- cancer-free. That's <laughs> what I always say about my one-woman show. Hey, right, exactly. huh? It doesn't get poignant. It's, it's stand-up. You know, there's some touching moments in it because of some of the things that happened to my daughter. Uh, yeah. She was in intensive care for a month or so. But So it's an hour monologue, essentially. Yeah. It's an hour stand-up themed. Themed stand-up. There we I like that. There we themed go. Themed stand-up. So, but I really uh, learned a lot in, in getting back into stand-up. And, and it really helped my writing, too, you know. And I think my narrative writing is, is looser and, and better and a little deeper and... Uh, that's great. So yeah, you grow. Although I, I mean, I always loved. Uh, you know, I, I got a long way uh, in the business just being being a good writer, being able to craft a good joke. I mean, that's why Dennis liked me, and yeah. and, and Dennis introduced me to Gary Shannon because Gary was guest hosting the Tonight Show back in the mid to late eighties. Right. I remember they called me. Gary was at, would hire Dennis to come in and help him work them on because they would do oh, it. Right. That was back when Jay Leno and Gary Shandlin were alternating weeks yep. guest hosting when Johnny would take a vacation. And so they, they called me and just, you know, Denny said um, they were stuck on a joke. And then he goes, well, hang on. Let me call my friend Jeffrey Cesare. You know, it was <laughs> the only guy outside of my drum teacher allowed me to call me Jeffrey because it just <laughs> sounded so funny out of his mouth. Jeffrey Cesare. So he calls me and he goes, we're stuck on this joke. We got the setup. We don't have the punch. And uh, it was something about um, they're, um, they're, they're not going to let Joan Rivers guest host the Tammy Faye Baker show. Okay. Um, which was an actual item. Tammy right. Faye was apparently. Had her um, own show for and a And I heartbeat. just, and you know, I literally, I'm, I'm on my futon in my one-room apartment. You're right. And uh, I get this call. Yeah. And it's Dennis. And he goes, this, this, they're not letting uh, uh, Joan Rivers guest host the Tammy Faye Baker show. And I said, because uh, uh, the makeup budget would double. Whatever. Right. It's just right. something. Just, yeah, yeah. You're a very straight ahead tonight, your joke. Yeah. Gary loved it. And then Gary said, okay, I, I, I like Bring this guy. guy. Let me in. see more of his stand-up. And then he saw more of my stand-up. And then he started bringing me in. Oh, that's... And, that you know, and yeah. it's all from joke writing. It's just all from, from good joke writing. So. Right. So I was very fortunate to, to have met those two guys and then to have built a resume of, of good joke writing, good punch-up skills from that. And that took me into a lot of other stuff. So. We've banned Dorked Out, which is awesome. We've Midwestern talked about the Midwest a good right, deal. We haven't even gotten into I got, I got my, my Your email music ac- thing. account got hijacked. Or, yeah. my, or my funk fest. Yeah. Uh, I, di- I got an email yesterday, day before yesterday, from Jeff Cesario saying that uh, a terrible, terrible vacation happened to him in London, and he was mugged. And uh, and he would he would like to be loaded, 
uh, I think I, yeah. you wanted to be loaned some money. Yes. But uh, you were loaded. You wanted to load it, and that's how I knew you had been hacked because yes. you would have spell checked. Our luggage and phone are lodged at hotel. <laughs> with some of the verbiage in it. Yeah, pretty sure. Pretty sure it wasn't really as, happening. As Peter Tolan uh, texted me or uh, emailed me, Peter, the great Peter Tolan uh, wrote the probably the best single writer ever on Larry Sanders and created Rescue Me with Dennis Leary and the show ran that until it's wow. ending this year. Um, Facebooked me and just said, they, they, they not only stole your wallet and your cash, they stole your <laughs> your, 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 your uh, punctuation and, and your, your sense grammar of grammar. Skills. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, so I got, I got hacked and I have no... Um, I literally, you know, turn that. And my wife is is really good at that stuff. What is now? What does she do? She um, sells her? antiques and collectibles on, oh, okay. on on eBay and Amazon. Okay, so, so she, she has sort of a home business that can fluctuate depending on how busy we are with the kids. So, and and she knows about computers. Yeah, really well. She just likes them. Okay. Yeah, she. It's okay, not so. like she had any IT training or anything. She right. just is smart. Right, and and, and and so decided to follow the path to because yeah. I I can I was my old, my last um, day job my last old day job uh, I was the fake IT person, <laughs> which is the you know just the one who they were like because I cared I cared more than anyone else, and so I would do it until I would run out of ideas of what to do and then I would call the actual IT guys. <laughs> you would sort of you were sort of the puppet. You were yeah, the, yeah. you were the you were the madam of I, Wayland Flowers and Madam. I could do You would start in with sticks on your hand and a fake enthusiasm and go, <laughs> and go Well it might be a router. That's my favorite term <laughs> now. It. Let's reboot. And uh, That's my favorite computer term. It might be your router. It might be a router. Because that's also a very manly term. There's a tool oh. called a router. Oh. Which will What does that do? Gouge out um Items? Um, wood? Yeah, wood. Largely, when you have um, I'm gonna designed crown molding yeah, or uh, door frames or uh, overhangs Oh, will it do doors. that sort of curly Q stuff? Is it, that what it does? It, not that. It will On a long piece of wood, it's the one that allows you to, not a lathe, because that, that will smooth it into a... Uh, I can't believe I know this much about wood, but I was going to say, uh, it will, like smooth it into like a, if you men if in Los Angeles don't know one side of a hammer no, no, from another. I know it's it's unbelievable. It's, uh, I could who, right who now. Should I call? Seriously, I <laughs> could make way more money as a handyman than I could as a uh, yeah. A router will will get you a, a have a a bit a drill bit essentially that will cut into a piece of wood a a little design strip or a, a little um if you've got uh. A piece of crown molding that has a little dip at the top all yeah. the way across. That is what creates the dip. Okay. All right. Uh, that would be something. I would love to learn how to do that. I'd love to learn how to craft. Like make like bookcases, like fancy bookcases. Yeah. Oh, if I, be, if, you got the room for it, too. You might have to dump the iguana. Oh, no. No, no. Tiberius lives. <laughs> Tiberius. And, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't his name be Tiberius? I might have gotten that within you might about have. six shots. If you <laughs> right, given right. Me. But you would have guessed Star Trek, and it's actually Roman uh, Roman general. Uh, the Roman emperor. Yes. Tro- Tiberius Dracus. Wow. And uh, But the... Yeah. It, if, if I had like a Groundhog Day kind of life, I would definitely... I would want to learn how to uh, sculpt... Mm-hmm. Uh, I would want and and carpentry and then uh, piano. Yeah, piano and carpentry. I am in dead. I'm right in the pocket with you. I I, I want to play all those songs much, from those Glee. Three, yeah. Oh and man, I, I, wouldn't that be great to just have people over and sing? 
Um, I, I might take it a, a little different tack, but, but <laughs> you wouldn't. I, you wouldn't have people over. No, to sing? I always wanted to improvise to play like jazz piano, and I mean I played jazz as a percussionist, but I was never a good improviser, and I always, I still do, and I still will eventually buy a piano, probably now with a two-year-old. And I got you a little. You get one of those roll-up pianos I, that you plug in. No, no. Yeah, I know. Keys. You know, you're right. And and you could put headphones in, and then as you poorly learn how to play, no one else has to hear it. Wow. Yeah. That's boy. What, we bought one for my sister. I can I can hear my dad and mom screaming right now from Kenosha, Wisconsin, going, "Why didn't they have that when you were kids?" Oh, you know that's my. That's I my, had to listen to you play drums for years. I mean, the fact that anybody's parents encouraged their children to take beginning violin. Oh my. My sister took beginning violin. I took beginning viola. Uh, I quit viola, took beginning, and then I had clarinet and then trumpet. And my brother played the flute. My other brother played the trombone. We were loud. We yeah, were loud right, children. Right. And they were okay with it, which made them, which makes up for a lot of parenting errors. The fact that they <laughs> right. were willing to sit through two, three yeah. years of poor, shitty yeah, that's Music. that's a that's a that's a big fifty pound weight on the good side. Yeah, yeah, yeah that it really and viola. Yeah, you had to dump viola. That is like the hydrox cookie compared, <laughs> compared to orange. You know, viola you know what's funny is my sister. Uh, she was in the performing arts center. She did the PAC. Um, oh, cool! And she was first chair viola. Wow! Because she was not good enough violin player, but she right, was right. a good enough viola player. Yeah, and um, she still plays. She's to, and and she also plays the banjo Whoa. in a klezmer band. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she's got some weird cred. What, uh, where do you play the viola? I mean, is she playing in like a community uh, orchestra or something? In, in yeah, yeah, she plays in... Where she live? Uh, she lives in uh, Minneapolis. Oh, cool. And oh, um, so she plays... She does like like weddings and bar... She'll play any event. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she's like, is there an excuse for me to pull out my viola, is what it is. And she just bought her daughter, who is three and a half... Tiny violin, and I was like, oh, "Are you wow. going to make her do Suzuki or right? Sure, one of those Mitsubishi crazy or whatever disciplinary, right?" And she was like, "I always wished I had been made to do that, but no." And my <laughs> friend, one of my best friends, Maria Bamford, was made to do that Suzuki violin. I love Maria, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, she refuses to play the violin to this very day. Yeah, it ruins it. you. It ruins yeah. you. That's it. Ruined me on classical music. I did not appreciate classical music. That's one of the reasons I left Northwestern. I said, I'm just so sick of this shit. I'm so sick of it. And the percussion in classical music is always, you know, sort of muffled and reined in anyway. They never really let you go nuts. Right. So it was just like, oh, fuck this. I got to get out of here. And then I literally hated classical music until about six, seven, eight years ago when I started to listen to it again. And then I, and then I got into it from an emotional, uh, compositional Okay, standpoint. so you were looking at the music. I was thinking, wow, music. this guy, some woman really ripped his fucking heart out or whoever, <laughs> you know. Right? You could, I really began to hear it like that. Okay. Hear it as an emotional piece instead of just... You know, I've been trying to listen playing. to more jazz uh, because I had a dork, a jazz dork on, Taylor Williamson. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, he actually described it in a way because I have never... Experimental jazz is my least favorite. It, you might as well punch me in the nose. Yeah, it's a rough. It's yeah, because it's, it's like, like improv. It is. It's a way more fun you to do than good? it is to watch. Oh my god, yes. And yeah. who's good at improv? Almost no one. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, and so let's uh, let's get some suggestions out there. First of all, people need to get a uh, brave new dad. See that when you next. Time Whenever you I'm, that doing it, I'm doing it, uh, I'm doing. I'm hoping to be. Uh, uh, back in the Midwest, I'll be in the uh, I'll be in the Minneapolis area mid March. 
doing some um, theater stuff? Or? I think I'm doing a place called Running Aces, which is a casino. And then I'm doing... Um, yes, it is. It's a dog racing track. I'm doing Valentini's, which is a restaurant up in the Iron Range. Oh, cripes. Fantastic. And then I may be doing uh, Duluth as well. Okay. That's where Duluthans are. <laughs> My niece, when she was five, told that, that joke. That's I'd make fantastic. you want to cut yourself. Okay. So uh, the DVD is called You Can... You can get a hooker tomorrow night. You can get a hooker tomorrow night. And uh, and that's probably around. And then also people can go to Funny or Die and watch a video that you did with a couple other super funny right. stand-ups. It's called the Dick Rossi Show. Uh, we got four or five clips up on Funny or Die. And, and I'll link it up on the on the notes section. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's just the most fun I've had in show business. Uh, Adam Felber and jo- Joe Fury. Joe Fury and Adam Felber. Uh, it's a talk show from 1961, but with modern guests. So we're smoking, we're drinking, there's booze and broads everywhere. Except for that uh, was 70. But our guest was uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, and he sweet. Came, and he just fits in, and we shot it in black and white. And, you know, it's just this this sort of old school right. um, whose time has come, I believe, because, you know, Dick's mindset at Play Dick Rossi is, is a sort of classic Rat Pack. It's, it's the best part of the screwed up 60s mindset. Okay. Which to me is this, and I, I love this from that era, and we both have enough tangents to that era or ties to that yeah. era, which is, okay, I fucked up. I'm going to apologize. Now let's move on. We have other shit to do, you know? <laughs> so Dick literally apologizes virtually the beginning of every show. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. N- not necessarily the webisodes, but, you right. know. Uh, all right, I killed the monkey. I'm sorry. All right, now next up, I got uh, Stephen Edie. I mean, you know, he just moves. And that was right. that sort of Sinatra, okay, you know, I'm always- sorry, let's go. And I love that about that era. They just got in a big old fucking American car and kept driving. Right. And th- there's a Walk beauty to off. that. So, yeah. So his... Political incorrectness, for lack of a better term, is constantly rubbing up. Dick's uh, thing is rubbing up against, uh, the, you know, modern, uh, you know, culture. And, and it's, yeah. it's fun. And my sidekick is played by Joe Fury, who used to write for Letterman and, and um, news radio and is a fantastic comedian, performer, and writer. Right. And he plays it like a B-movie Dean Martin. Joe's, okay. Joe's a pretty good-looking guy, so it's more like he's just hanging around for the booze and broads. And right. He and Dick met at a Cadillac dealership and became fast friends, you know. <laughs> And then Adam Felber plays, uh, Adam Felber from, uh, is writing on the, 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 the great Bill Maher show and is on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR and is a great novel out called Schrodinger's Ball. Oh, that's and right. That, which is a, a, a novel about science, uh, advanced math. Oh my God. That, yeah. That I read and loved and I hate math. I don't, I never got past like algebra. Okay. So it's just so, he made it so human and so humane right. and so rich about these characters. and oh, it's, it's just a great book. Go read it. Okay. He plays Spatz Henderson and his big-breasted all-girl orchestra. Excellent. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just this idiocy. Who doesn't? It's just everything you are there, possibly Is there a imagine. big-breasted orchestra? Yes. We got uh, like six or seven women. Why we wouldn't you? Why, yeah, you why not? What? We're going to make a show. Let's get some ladies. Come why on. Not? So So we did it, and it's so much fun, and it's... It's all kinds of things like, you know, Dick just doesn't know what to say. And, you know, hey, you think your mailman's funny? Check out this funny young Negro, Chris Rock. I mean, you know, he just yeah. doesn't know what he's saying. And he's constantly making errors. Or, hey, I, I, they pinched Letterman with it. They got him in, in an affair. That's yeah. uh, nobody. We're not. We tell you, I guarantee nobody here does uh, has an affair or anything like that. I mean, we bang broads. But, you know, a couple of nights for pizza, right? You know, and then you guys <laughs> right. chime in and. It's just like they have everything wrong, and uh, uh, it's just great fun. The, the, every classic moment you can imagine that can happen on a television talk show, 
Dick does. He ha- he does everything Car- Johnny Carson did with none of the Gracer class. Uh, <laughs> the, the little monkey from the Deuce, zoo starts dancing on my head, and instead of you know playing along and creating right. a great joke like Carson did, I just grab him and fling him against a fucking wall and he dies. <laughs> So it's a ton of fun. Go to Funny or Die and look up the Dick Rossi show. And- All right. And I will link that off of the things. Jeff Cesario, thank you so much for being on the Dork Forest and, and, and just chatting it up. Oh, man. I uh, I could clearly do another seven hours of this. Which, All right. Well, no we'll have needs. you back and, and we'll we'll do it that way. <laughs> thank you for listening, American public. Uh, go out there. Tell people about the Dork Forest. Next week, I'm in Minnesota doing uh, Acme Comedy Company. So if you're there in the first week of February, knock yourself out. And uh, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. Feel free to donate. Yeah, what the hell? Okay, have a good one. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. (laughs) My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?